Welcome back, or if it's your first time, I'm glad to have you here. I'm Matt Fendora, and you're tuned in to the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, where we journey together toward becoming the best version of ourselves. Using mind, body, heart, and spirit as the anchors of our podcast, join me as we set sail into the depths of self-discovery, unraveling the interconnected layers that shape our growth. If you resonate with today's conversation, consider subscribing to the podcast. Your support means the world to us and ensures you never miss an empowering episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, the podcast all about being the best version of yourself through mind, body, heart, and spirit. Today, I am here with Dr. Rosemary Rutecki. Dr. Rosemary Rotecki is a distinguished pharmacist and board-certified functional medicine expert trained at the Institute of Functional Medicine. She excels in identifying the root causes of bodily imbalances, focusing on nutrition, digestion, detoxification, immune function, hormones, and metabolism. Dr. Rotecki's comprehensive approach empowers clients to attain optimal health and peak performance. As a mother to two incredible children, her journey through motherhood stands as her most cherished accomplishment. Each day, they inspire her to grow and learn, with one of them even guiding her towards her calling as a functional medicine practitioner. Her heart is fullest when surrounded by her family, enveloped in love and joy. Witnessing the transformative health journeys of her clients brings her immense satisfaction, reaffirming her purpose in this field. Additionally, being outdoors amidst the splendid creation of God, fills her with awe and gratitude. The beauty of nature, a testament to his magnificent work, continually reminds her of the blessings and wonders of life. Without further ado, here's Dr. Rosemary Rutecki. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm so excited to have you on the show and learn so much from you. I will be connected on LinkedIn and I just find value with Every single post that you have on there, I'm always learning. And it's like, it makes me want to do my own research into it and and understand things a little bit more in depth. Yes, yes. That was the same way when I started learning more about functional medicine. I was like, I need to learn more, need to learn more. It's like, I'm always learning because it's just so much to learn. Oh, yeah. I I can only imagine with how extensive that field is. You get one piece of knowledge and you start pulling on that thread and it's like, wow, there's so much more to this. Yes. So what made you want to become a a functional medicine practitioner? Well, you know, that world, you know, life works in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. And then uh, back then I was having some health issues, but I was not, um, you know, when you're a parent, sometimes you attend your family first and you become second. So that was kind of like my story. And then back then my daughter, um, all of a sudden she stopped talking. When my son was born, she got so, you know, sad because she's, you know, it was just me and her. And then all of a sudden someone come over and she's like, you know, like return him. I don't want him back. You know, and then she got really sad and she started having different emotions. And then she went back to school. And then when she get back to school, new room, new classroom, tons of changes, you know, new baby brother. Um, then she just stopped talking. And then the, the pediatrician was like, well, that's a face, you know, and then we thought that, well, maybe she's shy. Uh, she needed, you know, some time to warm up. And, but she was that like that for a year and a half. And then I, I knew that that was not normal. You know, I'm like, she can't continue talking like that. One day I was in the park and then I saw kids wanting to play with her. And then she didn't want to, she wanted to play, but she couldn't talk to them. And I'm like, there's something here, right? This is not, this is not normal. Kids always talk to kids. I can see not talking to an adult, but you know, I'm like, there's something more. And then, you know, I Google it. My kid is not talking. (laughs) And then something came up. uh, It's called selective mutism. And then she she fit perfectly. And then I have a lot of friends that are psychologists and I call different places, you know, just to learn more about, Selective mutism and selective mutism is an anxiety disorder that you're so fearful. And this happened a lot to kids. I never heard about this, even though I'm in the in the medical field. And they stop talking, right? They are selectively mute. So at home, she's super, you know, friendly and vivacious and energetic and talking, you know, normal, normal kid. But then when they go out, they just get very anxious and they can't talk. 
So as the more I learned about it, the more scared I got because a lot of these kids, they grew up as adults and they can't have normal lives. They can have conversations with people. And I'm like, I don't want this for my daughter. So I started buying books and learning. And, you know, I have so many friends that are psychologists. So I, you know, try to figure out how to help her. And not that many people know how to work with these kids. A lot of these kids, they go into, uh, like they have learning disabilities or that they have autism. When in reality, they're just scared. So long story short, I went to a conference that happened in Chicago that used to live there. So a month later, after I figured out that what she had, I took that conference. I learned everything about, you know, the most, the most I could learn. I went to the room of the psychologist (laughs) because there were two rooms. There was the room of the parents and everybody was crying in that room. I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't come here to, to cry. You know, I came here to find a solution to help her to overcome this. Mm-hmm. And then I pretty much created my own program for her because I didn't have at the time, there was nobody close to me to help her and uh, no psychology. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do my best. And if I need to travel or drive hours to get her to help, then I will do it. So in a month, she started talking. And then that, wow. that you know, it was, a, you know, but I was like very determined to help her. And then... We took a little break because it, it was a lot of work that month. And then my husband and I, we were doing so many things. I'm like, let's just relax for a little bit. And then I noticed that she started again with the anxiety. And then I realized that I needed to find the root cause of the anxiety. And that that's functional medicine. Functional medicine is looking for the root cause. Mm. So me learning and researching into more about anxiety, I started learning about the gut-brain connection. I learned a lot about some genetic mutations that people with anxiety might have. So all that path led me to a functional medicine practitioner that not only helped me and my daughter, everyone else, it inspired me to become a functional medicine practitioner. So our kids are our biggest journey, you know, our biggest uh, teachers. So they, you know, they have a purpose for us. And sometimes people, they don't appreciate your children or they think it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they are the biggest blessing, your kids, you know, and they come to us to teach us so much. And that's what my daughter did. You know, she, I help her, but she helped me to become that I'm the person that I'm right now. So I can continue helping others. And of course I help her and she's fine now. She's talking and, you know, people will will be like that. She had that. I can't even believe it because she's so outgoing. And that's the person that she is. She was always that person. She was just scared. So we just had to reteach her and also feed her gut microbiome with the right nutrients. So that gut brain connection, you know, it's, it's, it's good. So a lot of people that have anxiety, depression, a, a lot of you know emotional things it could be because their gut microbiome is unbalanced so yeah that's the story wow um so i wish more people had that same approach when it comes to their kids and not thinking kids as a burden and think like hey like if i put whatever i put in i'm gonna get out so if i love my kid to the maximum extent that's going to get returned to me as well. And I get to learn more about life instead of, oh, here's another job, another responsibility. Exactly. Um, So when you were looking for the root cause, was the solution for you, the the gut microbiome? Well, the solution was many things because, you know, we also have to work with uh, behavior, you know, so we did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy with her, you know, like the way that I communicated with her, the way people around her would talk to her just to help her, you know, to talk. And then when she started talking, she was realized like nothing's going to happen. Right. Having conversation with our children is important because I ask her, so what are you what are you afraid of? And she's like, I'm just scared that people will hear my voice and something is going to happen. I'm like, nothing is going to happen. Right. So she was like three, four years old already thinking those things. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Right. And uh, and uh, just coming from such a loving family home, you know, everybody's so loving. She was such well care. So all those things made me think I'm like, there has to be something else right because she's not anxious coming from an anxious family um she's very loved so that's when I started looking into okay let me look into you know more into the gut microbiome and also a little bit more in genetics and things like that so she's she's getting the nutrition that she needs to thrive 
So that's what that was the main the main focus for her. Wow. So is that learning about that is what got you onto your path now of focusing on the gut microbiome? Exactly. Yes. So it doesn't matter what age you are, it's going to affect you no matter no matter what. No matter what, especially if you, for example, kids that are born by C-section and kids that are uh, don't have the opportunity to breastfeed, right? You know, if the mom can do it or there's different situations, right? Because we don't know what can happen. Um, you have uh, less microbiome diversity because the way that we give our the microbiome to our children is through nursing and also vaginal birth. That's how they repopulate all their flora. So the more C-sections we do are necessary, right? Because there are occasions that you really have to do it is uh, to save the baby and the mom. But if we can um, focus more into, you know, the future when we're planning, you know, what we plan our, we plan to buy a car, we plan to buy a house. That's the same thing I tell people before they want to get pregnant. You know, there's so many things that you can do to have that gut, that terrain very healthy. Because the healthier you are, the more gut diversity you have, the stronger your gut microbiome, that's what you're passing to your kids, right? So 80% of your immune system is in your gut microbiome. So kids that um, have a lot of allergies, eczema, get sick a lot, get a lot of ear infections, those kids... Um, might not have a good gut microbiome or a good microbiome diversity. Mm. So focusing on simple things, right? Like nursing or pumping uh, as much as we can to give that nourishment. You know, there's so many things that are transmitted through the, you know, through the breast milk, um, the, the fatty acids, the plasmalogens, your immunoglobulins, your microbiome. So it's a, the immune system will make it more robust for our kids if we nurse them, if we have a vaginal birth. And if we can do that, because, you know, sometimes we plan things in life, right? We can plan to have, oh, I want a vaginal birth, or oh, I want to breastfeed, and then things don't happen that way. Well, then there's things that we can do to make that kid to have a more robust uh, microbiome. So what are some of those initial ways then if let's say starting from an early age, what are some of the first steps somebody could take to protect and help with that gut microbiome? So the, the first step is to, what I tell people, eat for your gut microbiome, right? Eating for your gut microbiome, fermented foods like kimchi, kefir, sauerkraut um, are really good. And they have shown on studies that they repopulate more the gut microbiome than eating fiber, right? Fiber is really good, but the the when the food is fermented, that kind of like elevates, right? You get the fiber, plus you get tons of probiotics and it's pre-digested, so your body absorbs it more. And it also helps decrease inflammation in the body. So fermented foods is like my number one. And it's easier to eat fermented foods, and less expensive than buying a bottle of probiotics Right. And that might in transit die because, you know, it depends on the right temperature, some probiotics and some people don't do good with probiotics. Um, not everybody do good with them because it depends, especially what you need. But fermented foods are a really good way to start strengthening your gut microbiome, creating more diversity. And it's less expensive. And it's something that you can even make at home if you want to make your own sauerkraut or your own kimchi. You buy some cabbage, you put some salt on it, put it on water put on a jar and leave it there for seven to 21 days, depending the amount of how you want it. And then you got a, it's a food that has a lot of probiotics. That's a really good way to, to start fiber with fruits and vegetables, like pears, raspberries, pineapples, oranges, apples, they have so much fiber and they're really good also for your gut, right? Because your gut have eat it and it's like, mm, you know, it creates more probiotics when you eat a lot of fiber. The same thing with vegetables and things like that. And then I told people, try to avoid processed food as much as possible. I know so once in a while we want to have something different, but when you feed your gut microbiome, that's something that a lot of my clients have found that when we go through all this process of working on their gut microbiome, doing a reboot in their gut, that's the uh, lowering the inflammation and taking all these processed foods back and putting things in that are very nourishing. They tell me like, oh, I don't have any more cravings. 
<laughs> so it's uh so it's good right because your gut microbiome is happy when your gut microbiome is hungry meaning you're not giving the the nutrition that it needs to thrive you're going to be hungry all the time you're going to be your body's looking for nutrients so that a lot of people get a lot of cravings especially sugar or they feel that they cannot stay on a diet or it's very difficult it's very challenging and I see it all the time. So if you want to work on losing weight or getting to a specific body composition, I'll, uh, my recommendation would be eat for your microbiome. So then you don't have those cravings that are going to make you fail and then go back and make you think like, oh, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You're just not feeding the boss. I call it the bug microbiome is the boss. When the boss is angry, then a lot of things are going to happen. <laughs> It's going to be like, I'm going to shoot you an autoimmune condition here. There you go, because you're not feeding me. <laughs> you want cancer? Here got some cancer. Um, let me see. Pain, digestive issues, right? So the gut microbiome controls so many systems in our body. Also, you know, some people get very depressed or, or, or dementia or things like that. Those things can start from the gut. There's studies showing that the gut microbiome, leaky gut, can lead to so many other health conditions and if we attend the gut we can definitely get much better so let's say i mean there's a couple questions there i'll start mm -hmm. with uh the probiotics so one of the things that i don't understand very well is the difference between prebiotic and probiotic and then when should we use it is there like a proper way to use it or can it get overdone as well well, prebiotics, you get it from food, especially fiber and things like artichokes, green plantains, uh, green bananas. They have a lot of prebiotic fibers, and that's my favorite way to eat prebiotics. So prebiotics, when the gut microbiome eat them, creates probiotics. Right? It just, that, that process of digesting the fiber creates more probiotics. And then probiotics are things that are already pre-digested and have all these um, uh, probiotics already formed. So when you ferment things, that fermentation process creates the probiotics. Okay. Is there a time, a like best time to use it or just any time throughout the day? To eat the prebiotics and the probiotics? Yes. Yeah, any time of the day. Uh, I love eating green plantains, part of my culture. We eat a lot of green plantains, tons of root vegetables, uh, and they have tons of prebiotics. The apples, the, the skin of the apples have a lot of prebiotics too. Raspberries, blueberries, it has not only pro prebiotics, also have a lot of polyphenols. So polyphenols are these molecules that are very helpful with the their antioxidants right they have mm -hmm. tons of nutrition and nutrients and then they come to our body they start you know healing us nurturing us with all those vitamins and stuff because when we start eating a lot of processed food when we see it might have or little calories or a lot of calories right because there's different type of processed foods but they don't have enough fiber so when i eat something i like to look at the fiber content so if it doesn't have any fiber i try to avoid it so i try to get at least 25 grams minimum of fiber in my day and there's apps where you can track you can enter the food that you eat so if you don't have an idea of like how do i know how much fiber am i eating so you can track your food and say like, okay, I hit my 25 grams of protein. And also it's good to, you know, if we, they would, this will be for another day to, for another call um, session, but we can talk about, you know, protein and what it does for our body, how much protein do we need, the balance of the carbs and the fats. But at least for the topic today, since we're talking about feeding the gut microbiome, fiber is very important. And our diet is very low on fiber. I remember when I started tracking my food and I was like, wow, I'm really not eating enough protein. I'm really not eating that much fiber. Uh, I'm not feeding my gut microbiome. And then when you start feeding your gut, then you start feeling better. Your digestion gets better. You have better bowel movements. You have more energy, uh, better glucose levels too through the day and less cravings too. So you said 25 grams for fiber. Is there a number that we should be reaching, that we should be shooting for when it comes to prebiotic and probiotics? 
So with prebiotics and prebiotics, there's not a specific number, just, you know, with the food that you eat. So if you have 25 grams of fiber through the day, you're going to have a good amount of prebiotics in your, in your foods. And if you add foods like artichokes and green leafy vegetables and fruits and apples, raspberries, pears, fermented foods, if you do plantains, you know, things like that, you will get enough prebiotics in your diet. Can those numbers be overdone? So let's say I have like a bowl of uh, sauerkraut and kimchi with every meal. Would that be too much for the body to handle? If you have never eaten before, I would tell people to to start slow, like maybe a tablespoon per meal. So let your body get used to all those probiotics. So and then you can eat as you tolerate. Some people, if they have some histamine issues or a lot of food sensitivities, it might be too much for them. And then you have to start a little slow. But if you, it's part of your diet and you have eaten before, and if you haven't eaten before, start small and then build up. Okay. I eat a lot of fermented foods. So at the beginning, I didn't like it at all. But then I saw the research and I'm like, oh my God, I need to eat fermented foods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not part of my culture. We don't eat fermented foods in Puerto Rico, right? So like yeah. we eat a lot of prebiotic food, a lot of plantains, green bananas, rice, the beans as, as a lot of prebiotics. But the probiotics, the, the fermented foods is not, you know, well, there's a drink that is called Mavi. It's a fermented drink, and that's common uh, in the in Puerto Rico, but not like the, the sauerkraut and the kefir. And I remember buying uh, kefir, uh, sauerkraut and then throwing it away because I couldn't eat it. I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I don't know how people can eat it. <laughs> now I love it, right? Now my God is like if I travel or if I go somewhere and I'm, I don't have – fermented foods my my body's like just get me something fermented so i'm like wow you know i went from like not liking it to now my body craving it mm -hmm. i think that kind of happened with our family as well like i'm not um i don't know what it is about kimchi like there was something about it i was just like i just i'm not a fan but then my wife actually made some and then i was like okay maybe i should try this a little bit more so and it's kind of like grown on me since and then yes. the, the kids have actually requested to have kimchi. Love so, it. How does a leaky gut happen? How does somebody get a leaky gut? Okay. So leaky gut is when the, the layers of our intestine gets more permeable. So they're usually permeable to have nutrients, you know, that exchange of nutrients to go through our bloodstream. The problem is when the, the permeability is a little bigger, and then things that were supposed to stay in the gut come out to the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> let's say food particles, bacteria, you know, things, uh, toxins, because the body, the what is in the gut is supposed to stay in the gut and you eliminate it out when you go to the bathroom, right? What, mm -hmm. Like I would say to my kids, poop it out, right? That's the goal, right? of the intestine system, right? Everything goes through the liver, you know, um, the liver detoxes and put everything that is, you know, to be ready for be eliminated in our intestines. We, you know, get all the good stuff, bad stuff, get in, and then we eliminate them. We put them out. But when we have permeability, things that were supposed to be eliminated now have access to our blood. So let's say bacteria, parasites, uh, yeast, uh, toxins or other things that are not good now have access to our bloodstream. And then our immune system is going to see it, right? And it's going to see, what are you doing here? You're an intruder. You're not supposed to hear. I'm going to attack. So that's at the start of an autoimmune response. So the immune system gets alerted that something is in the bloodstream and then it starts to attack. So a lot of conditions, autoimmune conditions, that's the way that they start. They start in the gut with leaky gut. Okay, things that can cause leaky gut, uh, excessive intake of alcohol. Mm -hmm. I I don't drink anymore anything. Uh, when I was young, you know, when you're young, everybody's drinking, having fun, partying, all that. The more I read about it, the more research, not, it all, not only uh, impacts your gut microbiome, alcohol creates leaky gut and also impacts your brain. So if, if you are a heavy drinker, you know, one of your listeners are drinking a lot, I would tell people start like slowing down 
and then with the with the goal of minimizing it to zero, right? That would be the ideal to protect our gut because leaky gut, gut issues, they are hand in hand with a lot of um, uh, brain disorders. Like for example, people that have Parkinson's or other neurological issues, they start having digestive issues maybe 10, 20 years before. So I asked, I have a friend the other day, she started like, oh, my mom is having some Parkinson-like symptoms. Uh, and I asked her, uh, does, she, does she suffer from constipation? And she's like, yeah, she has been constipated like really bad for the past 10 years. And that's something wow. that I learned in my training too. And I remember talking to a gastroenterologist, telling him that because and he was like, wow, I didn't even knew that. And I learned that when I was doing my functional medicine training. So when people have digestive issues, the first thing they do is go to their doctor. And if the doctor can figure out, they get to uh, see a specialist like a gastroenterologist. So imagine the power that the gastroenterologist will have into so many people by telling them, well, if you're experiencing these uh, gastrointestinal issues, we really need to work on your gut microbiomes if you want to prevent a neurological condition, you know, later on in life. Uh, so that's how powerful our gut is, right? It's also connected with our cardiovascular system, uh, the way that we feel a lot of uh, mood disorders like anxiety, depression can be fixed if we work on the gut microbiome. Because 80% of, about 80% of our neurotransmitters are made in the gut too, right? Neuropinephrine, serotonin, dopamine. So if you're not feeling well or all of a sudden I have people say like, yeah, I was so happy. And then all of a sudden I'm like so nervous and I don't want to get out of the house. I'm scared. That's a sign that something might be happening, you know, within your gut microbiome. Okay. So two questions on the alcohol piece. Um, mm -hmm. they say, so you said no alcohol. I've heard stories or statistics, whatever that say a glass of wine a day is good for your health. Does that conflict with, uh, that your gut microbiome then? Yeah, that that's conflicting. And even there's a couple of doctors that have been, you know, talking about that too. Uh, the, the best, the best way to help your heart is, you know, exercising, having a good amount of polyphenols. Wine has a lot of polyphenols, but then you have to think about, you know, where's that wine coming from? You know, the sourcing, those, is, was, those grapes were made with heavy metals or spray with glyphosate, you know, what type of, you know, alcohol you're drinking. You know, a glass of wine would not probably hurt you, but if you really want to optimize your gut microbiome, I would say avoid alcohol as, as much as possible. So would that include kombucha? Because it's fermented, but I've heard it also has a percentage of alcohol in it. Yes, that's a good question. Well, the amount of alcohol is not as high as the amount of alcohol that, you know, they, and there's some even medications that have a base of alcohol, right? We just have to think about, you know, the quantity, how much alcohol are we drinking, you know, the continuation of it, right? So- mm -hmm. Ideally, you know, I would tell people if they can avoid it, that's the best. But if they are drinking a lot and just thinking that avoiding it, you know, to zero is too much, then start baby steps, you know, instead of having like three glasses, have one, right? And then your body will tell you. And I always tell people, do the experiment, how your body will feel without alcohol. And then there's mm -hmm. great testimonials of people saying like, I feel great. I finally can sleep, you know, like um, a lot of people have issues with sleep is because they're drinking alcohol. So it impacts your sleep. If you don't sleep well, you're not functioning the next day at your hundred percent, you know, you're going to be carrying on. And then people are like, okay, well then I'm going to drink coffee. So you're kind of like, I'm drinking at night, drinking tons of coffee during the day so I can function. So imagine what is that doing with your body, right? Hmm. How does caffeine affect the gut? Caffeine and the gut. Well, it also depends on the how crazy you go go with caffeine. So people, if you're having a, a lot of digestive issues or reflux or things like that, it might aggravate because coffee is more acidic. Mm. Uh, but coffee has tons of polyphenols too, and it's uh, it's if it's good organic coffee, and you're having it before noon, so it doesn't affect your sleep. That'll be great. Some people are great coffee metabolizers. And the coffee comes in and they metabolize it like that and they can sleep like babies. Some of us don't have that, 
you know, a special gene. I'm like actually a slow metabolizer. And I don't know how I did it. When I was in school, I used to drink so much coffee, you know, like even like at midnight just to stay up to continue studying. And I will go to sleep. But now if I have a little bit of coffee at eight in the morning, like, you know, caffeinated, I can't sleep. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've, so, yeah, I've, I've, uh, been made fun of because I've, we were, I was, I'd work till 10 30 PM on a night shift and it'd be like nine o'clock and it would be like eight 30, nine o'clock and making a coffee. And you're like, Are you, aren't you going to be able to go to sleep? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. Like as soon as I go to sleep and put my head down, I'm out. So that's great. Yeah. That you're, you're, you're probably a good, um, metabolizer and coffee has so many good you know there's so much conflicting data with coffee some people say it's really bad and some people say it's really good that's when i tell people we got to personalize the approach you know because what is good for you might not be good for me and try things out um you can uh, just depending on what plan i put people you know they have a lot of adrenal fatigue or they're very tired and then depending on coffee to function through the day on you know three four times a day then i will start like kind of like okay let's slowly start weaning you out of caffeine so your body knows how to function with it and then we can heal your you know your adrenals and all those things but if you're just you know fine and having a cup of coffee in the morning just be sure that it's good organic coffee and uh, to prevent all the toxins and things like that and then enjoy your coffee it's also great to stimulate your bio bio flow coffee is good for that so so it's good. Okay. I think one thing you started to mention, which I kind of went around, was there's a connection between uh, the gut microbiome and the brain and how that affects like just your body in general and your emotions, your brain waves, et cetera. Could you go into a little bit more detail on how that connection works? Yes. So uh, our gut microbiome and our brain are connected. So we have more nerves coming from the gut to the brain than from the brain to the gut. So that's the enteric nervous system. So it communicates with our brain. So if we want to have good brain function, we have to feed our gut microbiome with the good stuff, uh, prevent or fix or, you know, helping uh, uh, heal our gut. If you have leaky gut, so that will also help your, your brain. So if you have leaky gut and you have all these toxins going out and to your bloodstream, you're mounting an immune response that creates inflammation in the body. Inflammation in the body creates inflammation in the brain, right? And usually that's where we will feel it first. Um, so it's very important that we tend to our gut. So by working on the gut microbiome, we also work in our brain. Things that can impact also our, we talk about alcohol, also stress, high cortisol creates leaky gut. And that not only affects our gut, also affects our hormones. So a lot of people that are having a hormone issues like low testosterone, low estrogen, things like that, it could be because you have so much cortisol that instead of your body producing sex hormones, it goes through the pathway of producing more cortisol. And then you're stuck there because you need pregnenolone. Pregnenolone is the mom of your hormones. And then you need cholesterol to make pregnenolone and then pregnenolone gets, you know, converted into a DHEA and also gets converted into progesterone, but to make your sex hormones like a DHEA, DHEA gets converted into testosterone and estrogen. And then pregnenolone also gets converted into cortisol, right? So it has, so if you're high, high, very stressed, instead of going to the pathway of making sex hormones, you're going to be making a lot of cortisol. Cortisol is good, but the problem is that if you're chronically stressed, you're mm. constantly making cortisol, cortisol, cortisol. And then the sex hormones are like, hey, pregnant alone, are, are you going to come here? You know, we need you. I mean, I, we need to make some estrogen. We need to make some testosterone. And she's like, well, you know, it's just cortisol. It's just she's she needs me she's just so stressed i have to keep producing cortisol right and then when that happens then our sex hormones suffer right when we produce a lot of cortisol our brain function is going to suffer when we produce a lot of cortisol our gut is going to suffer so it's like a combination of <laughs> excuse me so many things wow that was i didn't i didn't realize i never realized that connection of how your gut can even impact 
your testosterone and estrogen levels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the way that you screen your hormones through your gut, we produce enzymes that help detox excess estrogen. Testosterone gets converted into estrogen for me and males and females. Right. Mm -hmm. So we all have testosterone. We all have estrogen. And then this, uh, the estrogen gets converted in metabolites to be excreted. And some of those metabolites are more toxic than others. So when people have a lot of toxic estrogen and you cannot eliminate it or poop it out, then it recirculates back into our bloodstream. And then we have excess estrogen. A lot of cancers like prostate cancer, endometrial cancer, and breast cancer are um, estrogen type of cancers. So there you have it, right? If you don't have a good, healthy gut, if you have a lot of constipation, um, your diet is not good, you have tons of stress, that's a starter of cancer, right? Wow. So if we will be talking about this, you know, when you go to our gynecologist, I would love that they would teach me that, right? Or test me, let's check my metabolites, right? Let's see how my body is eliminating that excess estrogen. Uh, that That's prevention, Right. So functional medicine is about root cause, gut health, you know, like focusing in the gut and preventing, preventing things, you know, because when you tend to your gut, you're preventing diseases and chronic conditions. Is there so I understand everybody, if if there's a big takeaway from this, everyone should be focusing on their gut and yes. looking at that. And how do we make that better? Is there a time when you would be concerned for somebody who has X, Y, and Z symptoms and they should like, Hey, you should like take action right now, go see a doctor or something because of this leaky gut that you have, it's affecting you this way. Yeah. If someone is having, uh, let's say all of a the sudden they're having some, a uh, mood symptoms, right? That's a sign that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. If they're feeling very tired and they, you know, when they go to their doctors and they do their physicals and they find that everything is fine, right? That and but you don't feel good, that's a sign that it could be coming from your gut, right? You're very, you're not sleeping well, you're super tired, very fatigued, you have a lot of brain fog. They check all your lab work, everything comes back normal, right? And then you are like, okay, so what's happening? That's the perfect, you know, place to say, like, okay, let me dig deeper and find a functional medicine doctor that can check how's my gut microbiome do more functional testing check the mitochondria too the mitochondria is the energy of your cells think about your battery hmm. so when your battery is low your energy is going to be low right they when people have thyroid issues it could be because of their mitochondria when people are having um, brain issues it could be because of their mitochondria too we have a lot of mitochondria in the organs that uses the most amount of energy. So your heart, your liver, your kidneys, your lungs, your brain has a lot of mitochondria. It's all over our cells, but the organs that use the more energy, they need more battery. But the brain in comparison with the liver has less mitochondria. So when people also get some type of um, brain disorder, like a dementia or Parkinson, or as you see, everything is connected, uh, or, or brain fog, that could be a sign of also mitochondrial disease. So I'd like to also check for that. I'd like to check how's your mitochondria, how are your cells. To nourish your mitochondria, you need tons of nutrients, right? B vitamins, magnesium, glutathione, uh, iron, uh, selenium, zinc, vitamin A. You know, you need tons of good stuff, right? And where you get most of those things is with food. And if your food, if your nutrition is not giving you all those vitamins and nutrients that you need, not only you're impacting your gut, you're also impacting your cells, you're impacting your mitochondria, right? You're also impacting your adrenals, you're impacting your thyroid, you're impacting your sex hormones. So I like to check for, for all of that, not just the gut, right? Mm -hmm. The gut is a great place to start, but I like to be very comprehensive and check for, for all those things. How do you test for the mitochondria? I do a, it's a, it's a test that's called organic acid test and it checks for your, um, for your mitochondria. 
So is that like, uh, is that a blood test? It's a, no, it's a urine test. Oh. So it's easy. Yeah. And then oh. for the stool, it's a stool test. So super easy too. Okay. So let's say after somebody's listening to this episode, they're like, okay, I need to take care of my leaky gut. What can they do tomorrow or today that will immediately have a significant impact on improving their gut? Okay. So number one is we talk about alcohol, limiting alcohol, uh, limiting the amount of caffeine too. That's uh, that's, uh, that's a good one too. Uh, Processed foods. Try to eliminate them as much as possible and then replace them for tons of fruit. So sometimes people are like, oh, I just like, they crave a lot of carbs and salty and sugary stuff. And I'm like, well, have an apple, have a pear, have fermented fruits, and you will see how your, your cravings are going to come down. So replacing things for, or, you know, another things to start, like if you don't know where to start, if you're eating a lot of chips and fermented foods, well, maybe you can do instead of like doing the chicken nuggets from mcdonald's how about you make your own chicken nuggets right mm-hmm. right so it's a start you we have to everybody's gonna start somewhere and i remember when i started i would buy better organic crappy food let's put it that way right <laughs> but that was my start that was mm-hmm. my start and and uh and and that's a great start when you replenish when you replace highly processed food for other processed food, but that are a little better, right? And then you start like feeling better and then you start making better choices and then you start adding more fruits and then you start adding more vegetables and then you add your fermented foods and then you make time to de-stress, right? Because um, if we are in a constant state of stress of high cortisol, when you learn what cortisol do to all the organs in your body, you're going to be like, okay, I cannot... Uh, make the problems disappear because we all have so many things going on in our life, right? Personal mm-hmm. problems at work with our families. So we can say like, okay, problems are gone, but it's the way that we react towards the problems that we have. So having a lot of faith, right? Either, you know, whatever people believe on is super important. Uh, taking time to be outside, you know, beautiful world, you know, and being out, we we're, we spend so much time indoors. That's keeping us sick a lot too. You know, the lack of a, a connection with earth, the lack of sun exposure, the lack of eating, you know, breathing good air also keep us sick. So making time during our break, okay, let's say that you're working a um, couple hours, like take a break outside, you know, go for a walk, get some sun. In the weekends, go to a park, to the beach, to a lake garden, forest, whatever it's close to you, but be in contact with nature. That will also help manage your sympathetic system. Sympathetic mm-hmm. system is when we're in fight or flight, right? We're going to like, there's a lion, I'm going to run, right? That means high cortisol. We need a high cortisol if we have a lion behind us, right? That's when we want cortisol. <laughs> but the thing is that we're living in, uh, in times that we think that we have a lion behind us all day. Right. And that cortisol is shooting out all day, all day, causing a lot of leaky gut, causing a lot of issues with our brain and making us, you know, sick too. inflammation, inflammation in the body creates a lot of sickness and and problems. So, yeah, so it's all connected. Right. You know, we kind of talk a little bit about a lot of things here today, mm-hmm. but uh, everything is connected with our health. And the same way we want to uh, protect uh, our gut. That same recipe goes for our brain, for our heart, for our hormones, right? Lowering our stress, sleeping. Sleeping is so important. And we live in a culture that we want to sleep four hours and then work all day. Mm -hmm. But then what we don't know is that as we age, we know we're harming us more. And sleep is so important. I rather things I, I rather something to take me a little longer to achieve but i want to get there healthy yeah. vibrant strong mm-hmm. then kill myself to get into a goal that then i'm not going to be able to enjoy i yeah. want to be able to enjoy the future of my labor so yeah maybe it's going to take me the double as someone that is sleeping for hours but that person when he reached the goal probably needs to go to a nursing home or it's not going to be able to travel or that person might have a heart attack or a diagnosis of cancer, right? Because all the cortisol and then all of a sudden you relax and then bam, you know, things happen. And we see it all the time. When people retire, they get a heart attack, 
you know, they get out of that grind and then they get really sick. So yeah, we definitely need to work on ways to find, to calm our sympathetic nervous system and allow the parasympathetic system. That's when we're in relaxed state. That's called the rest and digest. Because if we want to have digestion, absorption of nutrients, we have to be in a parasympathetic state, right? And we don't, we're not, we're eating in front of the computer. We're eating, you know, like we're, we're not, we're not digesting the food. We're like in a sympathetic mode. Mm -hmm. So we can digest the food. We can have good absorption of nutrients. We're hurting our gut microbiome. So you, you're eating all these wonderful organic food play that cost you a fortune, right? But then you don't have the the right uh, environment or your body is not in the right place to get that food into you. I think we're getting better with our sleep, kind of understanding, because when I was in my early 20s, the motto was I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. So you get that four hours of sleep and you're like, I'm good. I just need to keep grinding and grinding and has been to like the last maybe four years. And I'm like, okay, I need to make sure like I'm getting quality sleep at some point to make sure that I'm actually taking care of myself because if I grind, grind, grind a couple of I'm, I'm, like you said, you're not going to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Labor, You only get it for a short period of time. And it's like, okay, well, that was fun while it lasted because now you're sick and you can't do that anymore. Exactly. Yep. Is there a, a diet, um, whether that's a specific diet that is better than the rest when it comes to taking care of your gut, such as I hear people juicing for like a week straight or something to clear out the toxins. Is that an actual healthy thing? What I consider that is healthy, it's eating a good balanced diet, right? Of, you know, when you take all the processed foods out and then you put nutrients in, your body is going to be like, wow, this is so good. You know, it's going to absorb it. I feel like extreme diets like juicing or things like that might do more harm than than good um, because you're just like eating, you know, just, just drinking. You're not even having the fiber of the fruit. It's just, you're just juicing, just getting the water out. And then the juicing just get rid of all the fiber. Mm-hmm. And fiber is what your gut microbiome needs. A lot of people get better when they're juicing, right? Because they stop eating processed foods, right? Yeah. Why? So when you see like, oh, paleo is better, carnivore is better, keto is better, and you see all these people fighting with each other, and they get people really confused, right? Yeah. Because people are like, I don't know what to eat. I'm going to try. And I, I fell into that too. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to try vegetarian. I'm going to try vegan. And I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that before I learn more about functional medicine. And then what all those diets have in common is that people stop eating processed foods and then everybody gets better, right? But then you have to think about the long-term, something that it's that you can continue doing. A lot of people can, they found very hard to they can do juicing forever. So when they go back to their old habits, everything comes back again. So doing a diet that is sustainable, that works with you, that you can get all the as many food um, foods as possible, you know, good amount of different type of protein, different type of carbohydrate, different amount of good fats, good amount of fiber, fermented foods. If you see it's a very balanced, well-nourished diet. If someone is having tons of uh, food sensitivities that they are just eating three foods, then that's a leaky gut or probably a bigger issue of like something happening in the gut. And then when you fix the gut, work with the leaky gut, you can start reintroducing things. So that's the goal. And then also finding what is good for you. And through the process that I put my clients into, you know, putting, you know, I put them into a diet that will lower their inflammation first. So yes, we take some foods out, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we're going to take them forever. We're going to add them and see how we let the body decide. That's what I tell people. When you add them back, your body's going to tell you, I like that. I don't like that. And if I don't like it, I tell them, maybe it's not now. Maybe it's in a couple of months. It's just continue healing your gut, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the perfect diet is the one that works for you, that is well balanced, that you got good amount of nutrients, good amount of fiber, good amount of protein. That's the best diet that you feel energized, not that you're lacking and depriving yourself of things. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. that's perfect. Um, 
the goal should be to get all of these nutrients and minerals and vitamins and everything from food itself. Is there a supplement or supplements that you would recommend people still take? I tell people magnesium is a supplement that I would tell people to, to take because we're so deprived of magnesium and magnesium helps with your mood, with your digestive system. It helps you sleep better. Uh, so magnesium is a really good one. If you have never had any type of, you know, if you don't eat any fish or good fatty acids, doing good um, a supplement that balance your, your omegas is good too. Um, but that, you know, that's, that depends on the person or what they, what they actually need. And I like to get people tested, you know, finding the mitochondria test that I do, I can see all their nutrients, how many minerals they need, how many antioxidants do they need, or do they have enough? How's their mitochondria? There's a lot of things that the mitochondria needs to work better, like carnitine, um, alpha lipoic acid, coenzyme Q10, NAC, glutathione, those are kind of like what charge the battery. So that would be open testing mm. uh, to see what the person needs <clears throat> and um, and tons of fermented foods. That would be my my recommendation. Right? I like to personalize it, not to just tell everybody, oh, just take all this. That will depend on the person's goals, what's happening with them, in their, with their health. Some people need more um, specific help because they're not uh, going to the bathroom or they are having diarrhea, right? So those are all things of gut issues. Does taking a multivitamin impact your gut? Multivitamins are good because we should all be on a good, good multivitamin. So multivitamins are good. Multivitamin, magnesium, official oil, the minerals. Highly- Minerals is a good one. So a good multivitamin with minerals or just minerals, because we're also very deprived of, and magnesium is a mineral. So, uh, and a lot of people have a lot of issues with their health because they are low in minerals. So minerals Mm -hmm. are really good. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned that processed foods is one of the things that you should avoid. Are there other foods that we should avoid? Uh, Well, processed foods, uh, like things that are like, you know, fried you know, like all those high fat, high calorie foods that are not giving you any nutrition. I would tell people just to avoid that. Uh, drinks like, you know, a, like cola, like Coca-Colas, things like that are, you know, I mean, if you drink one, that's not going to kill you, right? But if you're just like, if that's your fluids, right? Replace it with water, replace it with with, with teas. Uh, that would be my recommendation, and then um and then we talk about alcohol yeah those are the the things that we should avoid for the microbiome and then replace them right we talk about different stages just depending on the stage that you are maybe you're drinking a lot of uh coca-cola or pepsi or all these drinks or maybe just replace it for sparkling water you know there's some Mm. sparkling waters that are not as bad and they're more you know naturally flavored i'm not a big fan of flavors but you know, it's what gets you to your goal, right? Because mm-hmm. for people, it's difficult from from going to a highly processed food and from all the sudden go 100% clean. They're gonna quit, right? Because it's just yeah. too much. Some people have have it in them, right? Mm-hmm. I am the type of person that I I go zero to 100. Like I was like, if this is gonna get me what I want to go, I'm gonna do it, right? But mm-hmm. not everybody can do it. Some people yeah. quit drinking and 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 smoking like that some people mm-hmm. it takes them more time so it also depending depends on where you add and what you can do so we're coming up to the nearing the end of the episode and so there's three questions that i ask all the guests and it's on specifically the topics of live love and grow yes. so the first question is uh, what advice can you share advice. about how to create a life that leaves a positive impact on the world Using your, we all have gifts, you know, God give each one of us a gift, right? We have to find what that gift it is and help others with that gift, right? Mm. Because we have so many gifts and sometimes we're so scared of, oh, what other people are going to say. And we don't develop that gift to help others. So then we're not, we're not doing anybody a favor because you are not living to your fullest potential, which is mm-hmm. the gift that God gave you. And then you're not using that gift to help others. So that would be my advice. Find Love. your gift, nurture your gift, 
and give your gift to others. I love it. Uh, what are some practical ways people can cultivate self-love? Practical ways to cultivate self-love, starting with yourself, right? Like accepting you, the word that you are right now, because a lot of people, they don't love it. They don't love themselves where they are. And when you love this the, your, yourself the way that you are right now, you can work on to the goal that you want, right? So when I, I, I was lucky that I grew up in a household that, you know, there was no physical, like, you know, I didn't never saw my mom, like say anything negative about her body or my dad, you know, they were, that was out of our family, right? We don't talk about that. They will always make fun of me because I was very skinny. <laughs> like, oh my God, you're so scary. Well, that was the way I, I was. Uh, but cultivating self-love, sometimes we're very negative to the way that we talk to ourselves, right? We don't see all the greatness that we have. Like we have mm. to, you know, we have so much to give to others. And uh, and the first step is, and a lot of people can see it and sometimes we don't see it. So to cultivate self-love, you have to first accept yourself or where you are right now and then know that you can get better every day and uh, without any pressure now you are the only one that puts the the fire on yourself and living a life where you can continually grow is a life that is worth living if you are you know feeling that you're not growing you are not living we gotta continue to grow in order to live love that uh so the final question what strategies or practices do you recommend for people looking to enhance their self-awareness or self-reflection? Uh, meditation practices are really good for self-awareness. I did a, a meditation program with uh, John Kabat-Zinn. He's one of the fathers of mindfulness meditation. And I read a book of his called The Full Catastrophe of Living. I was on my 20s when I read that book. And I was pretty much out of pharmacy school. So I wanted everything like science-based and all that, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he has tons of uh, scientific evidence about the the about mindfulness meditation in, in health. So he has a program. I don't know if he still has it. But uh, when I read the book it, and when I went to his seminar, it's in the University of, uh, I think, Massachusetts in Boston. And then they put different groups of people that they were going through different stages in life, either uh, chronic, very chronic debilitating conditions uh, from cancer, from heart attacks, from chronic pain conditions. Uh, so all these people were suffering a big amount of pain that they were either on pain medications, really high doses, and then by doing meditation, they were able to lower their pain. Mm. Right? So meditation, when you use mindfulness, it puts you in a state of awareness. So you have to be aware of your pain. Right? You have to yeah. be aware of where you are right now. What are you feeling? And then, um, and sometimes we're just so busy that we don't pay attention of what really happening to us. We're yeah. paying attention to our neighbors. To the tv shows right people know yeah. everything about everyone but do we really know about ourselves right do mm -hmm. we really know about what we're feeling uh, uh what we want right and then meditation is a great place to bring self-awareness into us into our environment into our health into our thoughts because we are what we think if we're thinking very negatively of ourselves that um, we cannot get healthy or nobody's going to help us or we're dumb or ugly or stupid, right? Because we have all these, I call it little birds. They're like yeah. <laughs> chirping, right? Yeah. So I, I, I explain my kids. So there's there's two types of birds. There's the good bird. That's, I call it good pajarito. That's good bird. <laughs> and then bad pajarito, bad bird is always the one that is telling you, you know, all the bad stuff. And we have to like shut it out, right? Yeah. You know, and let good bird, good pajarito talk to us. But the only way that you can acknowledge that is being in state of awareness, right? Because otherwise the brain will not stop, right? With mm -hmm. bad pajarito, bad bird, like talking negatively, or oh, you can do that. And then the self-love as we talk, you know, we have to love ourselves first. And that's a lesson that parents 
And in my culture, you know, I'm Latin, you know, we put everybody, especially females, you know, when you're moms, you put the, the kids first, the husband first, the neighbors first, the community first. And I saw it in my grandma with your mom and then they're last. Yeah. How you can give to others if you're not putting yourself first, you can't. You are pouring from an empty cup, mm-hmm. right? So it's not selfish to put yourself first. When I learned that, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I'm taking care of everyone. I'm not taking care of myself. So when I put myself first, I said, I'm going to take care of my health first. I'm going to, you know, when I, with my daughter, I found that my passion was really, that's why I became a pharmacist because I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I stopped doing that because that was not aligned with my beliefs of helping others. I was like, just giving one medication after the other, putting a bandaid, not solving the issue. So discovering functional medicine was like, wow, I can still help others with the knowledge that I already have. And of course, I need to learn more, but I don't have to reinvent a new whole career, right? I just have to learn the path of wellness through functional medicine, right? So that's Mm -hmm. what I did, right? And then when you find, when you invest in yourself, right, mindset, knowledge, health, wellness, physical strength, there's so much that you're going to give that you're going to have the energy to keep doing that the whole day without getting tired. So that's the goal, right? That we mm-hmm. go from a place of understanding that we're deserving, that there's nothing wrong by putting ourselves first, that there's nothing wrong to invest in ourselves. Because at the end of the day, what we all want, we want to age healthy. I don't want to age and be put on a nursing home, or yeah. I don't want to age and forget about my family and then the burden that that's going to cause, or be chronically ill in pain. I don't want that. Well, then I have to to become the person that I want to be to prevent that to happen. Prevent it, right? Because we don't know what life is going to throw at us, but we can always work on what we can control. Mm-hmm. And I went too long. Oh, no, that's fine. Like I I, I was so into the, your, your answer. It was really great and very in-depth. So how can people connect with you? So people can connect uh, with me through LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn. And... Uh, Rosemary Rutecki. I'm also on social media and Instagram, Dr. Rosemary Rutecki on uh, Dr. Rosemary underscore Rutecki. I also have my website. Uh, it's called Dr. Rosemary Rutecki altogether.com. Super easy. And um, yeah, so that's through social media. That's where I am. And in my website, I have tons of testimonials to people want to see all the people that I have worked with, you know, just to, to, to hear their stories up. I've worked with a lot of people and then you see the transformations and mm-hmm. when everything started. And that's what I love. You know, I, I give people hope and I help them transform their help because we sometimes lose hope that nothing is working, especially when you go to multiple specialists, you lose the hope that you're going to get better. So yeah. getting that, it's super important. How can people support you? Uh, what do you mean? The, the work? Uh, the work or you in general, anything? How can people support you outside of following you in social media? How can people support what you do? Oh, well, sharing my content. That's the first step because I give so much educational content every day. Mm -hmm. So sharing that because a lot of people, they don't know that maybe their issues are coming from their gut. And if they start sleeping better and eating better, they can correct a lot of their, their, their issues. And I also created an online course and that's my gift for others because I know functional medicine is expensive for, you know, not everybody can afford these expensive tests or the, all the supplements or all the things. So I created a course, it's um, $98 and it's a 30 day program that it will take you from beginning to end to how you should improve your gut microbiome, lower the inflammation. It has recipes, um, it has protocols, depending on what is your gut situation. Of course, do it, it has a leaky gut protocol, plus also has a constipation protocol, a reflux protocol, and a diarrhea protocol. So depending what you are, you choose what protocol from the program. So even though it's an online course, I made it as much personalized as possible. So you choose... Right. And then you also learn about other things that might be impacting your gut microbiome. 
right? So mm -hmm. you, and then it has tons of recipes and mm -hmm. tons of eBooks. So it's very informational. So, I mean, it's a super deal because all the knowledge that I put there for people to do. So if you're someone that is self-motivated, wants to learn and improve your health and start, you might not even have to have a, a gut issue, right? But if you want just to kind of like reboot your health, it's a great way to start. And I also have other programs uh, that people can do online. And I also have the one-on-one, you know, someone wants to say like, no, I need, I need someone to hold my hand and tell me exactly why to do it because I don't have time to read all this stuff and figure out myself. Then for people that want to do that, I do that too. I tell them, okay, I want you to do this, 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 this week. And then we mm -hmm. meet again. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I just want to acknowledge you, uh, Dr. Rosemary Rotecki for being on here with me. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was eye opening for me. Like I learned a lot. So I'm sure like, I'm everybody else is going to learn a lot as well. So I'm glad that we were able to put this together and just teach people. Yes. That's the whole goal, right? Cause uh, um, it's knowledge what make us free. And then having that light bulb moment, like, wow, maybe what I'm having is because I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. I need mm -hmm. to tackle these things. And if you don't know how to do it, I'm here to help either virtually, you know, online program or one-on-one. And so that's all that I have for today. Thank you, Matt. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope all the people that follow you learn something new today. Hopefully after listening to this episode, you learned how important it is to take care of your gut. If you would like to learn more or you're ready to take action now, Dr. Ruteki has a 30-day training in which you can improve your gut health. If you're a listener of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, then you can use the code in the show notes below to get a $10 discount off of the training. An incredible amount of information at a significantly low price. Check out the show notes for all the information. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Don't forget to live, love, and grow to be the best version of you. Oh, and one more thing. If you or a young man that you know suffer from victim mindset or are not reaching their fullest potential, then visit mattfindora.com to see how we can work together to become the best version of ourselves. That's mattfindora.com. The link will be in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and have an outstanding day.